are starting with our message so our saying you have a god given identity you have a god given mandate so in other words we take our orders from above and the good thing with a god given mandate is that it doesn't matter who goes against you they cannot withstand the will and the purposes of god so when we say we are entering this new season with the lord then we know he goes before us and level all the mountains in the book of acts chapter 16 verse 9 and 10 new king james version i'll start with this one mr mg i'll give you some as we go it says and a vision appeared to paul in the night a man of macedonia stood and pleaded with him saying come over to macedonia and help us now after he had seen the vision immediately we sought to go to macedonia concluding that the lord has called us to preach the gospel to them i want you to look at this carefully so paul there were many places that he couldn't go to so those of you who have time with your bibles read some verses above that you will hear they couldn't go there they couldn't go there but when he saw a vision and there was this man who says come over to macedonia and do what and help us we need help that's the cry of humanity so it means even in the community that we are coming to i believe there were some men who were praying come over to easter river and help us amen, amen. amen. and we concluded that the lord has called us to come and preach the gospel here We have concluded that the Lord has called us here on a mission. And the good thing is that when the Lord comes to a place, he is not coming to subtract from you, he is coming to multiply in your life. He is coming to lift you up. Because some people usually they are very skeptical of the church. They think, "Oh, the church is here now. Now we are in trouble and they... no, you should be rejoicing and say, "Thank you, Lord, that you have remembered our community." Amen. 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 And the good thing is that when we know our mission, we will also know who we are. Because if you don't know who you are, then you won't know your commission, you won't know your mandate. That's why many people are influenced by people and they go the wrong way and other people tell them something that they are not and they say that's you. Other people even give you their mandates. Okay? But if you know who you are in Christ, you will stick to the mandate. Some of us we stick to what God has called us to do, and that's simplicity in life. Go with me to the book of Luke chapter 4. Verse 16 to 19, I just want to show you that even Jesus knew why he came on earth, and then he stuck to the mandate, he stuck to the mission. We are also here with a mandate and we are going to stick to the mission. Tell your neighbor we are here on a mandate and we will stick to the mission. We have been commissioned to be here. You see that's the good thing so that even those who wants to come against you then you know they are not coming against you they are coming against your mandate giver. Amen. Amen. So that's why we do not fear. That's why when the Lord reveals something to us we say it shall be so. Amen. Amen. and this should be a confidence of every human being living on earth if you are aligned to God's mandate Luke chapter 4:16 to 19 amplified classic so he came to Nazareth that Nazareth where he had been brought up 
And he entered the synagogue as his custom on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read. And there was handed to him the scroll of the book of Isaiah. He opened or unrolled the book and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I want you to look at this closely because Jesus came on earth, but he knew what was his mandate. Okay? He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, the anointed one, the Messiah, to preach the good news or the gospel to the poor. What did the men in Macedonia say, come to Macedonia to do for us, to help us? And then he says, we concluded that the Lord wanted us to go and preach the gospel to them. So if there is something that this world needs, is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to announce the release of captives and recovery of sight. He has sent me to send forth as delivers those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. To proclaim the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord, the day when the salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. I want you to look at this and see what Jesus' mission was. He says, the Lord has anointed me, but I'm here on a mission. He has sent me to preach the gospel. He has sent me to declare that the blind's eyes will be opened. And those that who are oppressed, those that are feeling dejected, is the time for your hope. So if you are here in this place, we have been sent here to bring hope to you. Amen. Amen. And for those of you who say, I already have hope. I already know who the Lord Jesus is. And uh, it says, and to proclaim the favor of God upon his people. So I'm here to proclaim God's favor upon your life. Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, receive the favor of God. You see, when most of you are going out there and you say you never know what will happen, you see, I may just go out here and go, get knocked off by the car. I may just go out here and this and this happen. <laughs> That's your problem. We go out here expecting favors. Because the Lord has favored us. Amen. When you hear people say, you never know, you may go out here and this and this. Tell them which scripture is that. Amen. I know a scripture that says the Lord's favor will abound in my life. And I declare God's favor upon my life. That's why I don't mind not having a political connection because I've got a heavenly connection. Amen. When you've got the favor of the most high God, you become a slave of no one. Amen. But when you receive mandates from people, and you go for that so-called political connection, then you owe them. Amen. Amen. But if you receive the mandate from the mandate giver, the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be as bold as Jesus. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel. That's why even when we preach, when we give you this gospel, it is the Lord speaking to you through us. Amen. And he says, to proclaim the favor of God upon his people. But then I just want to show you that Jesus was able to do that because he knew who he was. So when I say you've got a God-given identity, you've got a God-given mandate, it means you need to know your identity, but you also need to know your mandate. So if you go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 16, 
Verse 17, Mr. MJ, you can do it in the New King James Version. From 13 to 17, Matthew chapter 16, New King James Version. I want to show you that you need to know who you are. But you will never know who you are if you are listening to what people say who you are. <laughs> Amen. Do you know that there are some people who will say, yeah, no, there are some bad words that people say about who you are. You remember some of those things that they told you. Do you think that's you? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Tell, tell your neighbor. It doesn't matter who you think I am. I know who I am. Because my master knows who I am. And I only receive mandates from the mandate giver, the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's why if we go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 16, we said 13 to 17. Read it, you will see. Jesus asked questions about who people think he was. And they gave different answers. Okay? Because that's what people will do. If you go out there and say, who do you think I am? Who do you say that I am? They will tell you who they think you are. But they did not create you. So your creator knows who you are. And your creator is the one who has given you a mandate. Read it. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philip, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Okay. Did you hear the question? Yeah. So if people know your identity, then they should have said the right thing from the beginning. So if, if I also come here and say, who do you say I am? Yo, you will hear a lot of stories. Others, they know me as a good person. But there may be others who have their own agendas, though, especially those who gossip about me. Tell your neighbor, anybody who gossips about me doesn't know who I am. Amen. 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 So he asked, who do men say I, the son of man, am? Okay. So, so they said, uh, some say John the Baptist. Oh. Okay, was he John the Baptist? But there were some who called him? Yeah. So, people sometimes will give you an identity that you are not. But it only takes you to know who has given you the identity. Some say he was John the Baptist. Eh? Uh, some say Elijah. Oh, okay. Was he all these people? But were there people who, called, who thought he was that? Yes. So don't be surprised when other people think you are so and so. Or, or you are such a stupid person. <laughs> they don't know you. Or they think you will never go anywhere. You were born like this from a poor family and that's how you will die. Tell them, you don't know who I am. Amen. Amen. So, some said. And, and others are Jeremiah. Oh, okay. Were they right? But they thought that who he was. Continue. And in Elsie's refer of one of the prophets. You see now. Continue. He said to them, but what do you say that I am? Okay. <laughs> now he was taking them step by step. You see, it's very easy to say, who do people say I am? And then you hear all the gossips. Okay? Now, have you ever noticed that even the people who gossip about you, if you ask them, they won't tell you 
what they were gossiping you about. When they are with you, they paint this good picture. Okay? So now Jesus takes it from who do men say I am to say, but what about you? And none of them says, but some of us know you are John the Baptist. <laughs> some of us think you are, you are Jeremiah. Some of us think you are this. But how did they hear those things? Did you know that usually when people are gossiping, it's not one-way traffic? Eh? Have you noticed that? So most of the people who come and tell you how people were gossiping about you and they tell you, ask them, what was your contribution to that gossip? Isn't it? So now he says, but what about you? Do some of you also say I'm John the Baptist? So let's see. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, hmm. the son of the living God. Okay. Okay, let's hear how Jesus answers. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, mm. for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You didn't get this from gossip. Tell your neighbor, you didn't get this from gossip. You didn't get this from people. Amen. Where did you get it from? But my Father who is in heaven. Amen. So anybody who gives the right answer about me, then they know my father that is from my father. But any other answer, it means you got it from people, from flesh and blood. Amen. Amen. That's why we in this world we've got things that we call a, a case of a mistaken identity. How often did you hear somebody having been killed because they thought it was so and so? But that's also often when you are in the wrong crowd. At the wrong time. Okay? And they think you are so and so. Then it's a mistaken identity. Okay? But if people want to know who really I am, they must ask my creator. Amen? And these things of not knowing who you are, it gives room for the devil to give you his identity. And he even gives you the mandate. The devil knows if I give you the identity and you take my identity, you must also have a mandate. We don't want you to be bored here. You must be busy with something. So some of us, when the whole weekend we are busy with church, your weekend is also full with other things. <laughs> where you got, you've got a mandate also. So all of us, we've got a mandate. It just depends on where you got your mandate from. Amen. Amen. When some of us are saying, sure, it was a busy day. I was busy with the work of my father. There are some also where it was a busy day. But they were in another mandate. They were mandated to do something. So this should be a challenge to each one of us to say, am I working in God's mandate, my creator? Or am I taking a mandate from my enemy, the devil? Go with me to the book of Genesis. Chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. I just want to show you, we'll do this one in the NIV. I just want to show you that the devil will always question who you are and question the word of God upon your life so that he can confuse you. And then the moment you are confused, he gives you a new identity. Amen? I'll show you. Go with me that Genesis chapter 3, 1 to 5 in the NIV. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty that than any of the wild animals that the Lord has made. That word crafty, other versions use the term subtle. Other translations use the term cunning. 
Do you know that when it says the serpent was more crafty or more subtle or more cunning, did you know that it was not just the serpent working on his or her own? I don't know if serpents are him or her, but we can say on its own. There was something in that serpent. Just like some people think they are crafty and wise when they are used by the enemy, by the devil. So it says, when that crafty serpent came, he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? You see how the devil starts. He doesn't come and say, I'm the devil. And I'm here to make you see. Whoever will see if the devil comes like that? He doesn't come like that. He comes and starts asking you questions to doubt your identity. He starts asking you questions to doubt who you are. And then the moment when you get confused, he gives you his mandate, his identity. So let's listen to this. The woman said to the serpent, Okay, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Was she right? There's something that she added, isn't it? Did God say they mustn't touch it? Uh Uh-uh. And the moment the devil sees that you don't know the word of God, you are in for a kill. Amen. It's like these predators, the animals that, that hunt other animals. They can see which one is it's for a kill. Okay? So your enemy, the devil, if you do not know the word of God, he will feast on you. Okay? So now, the moment she said, he said we must not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden and we must not touch it. He didn't say they mustn't touch it. Or you will die. Okay? Then the devil thought, now it's time for debates here. Okay? You will not certainly die. What was he in essence saying? He was saying God didn't tell you the truth. Isn't it? That's what people do. Sometimes people will be questioning you. Even when you say I'm a Christian and you're talking about what God is doing and what, who God is, they will question you so that you can doubt your identity. So he says you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. I want to pick this part where he said, and you will be like God. And I ask you a question. Were they already like God? Yeah. When he created them, he created them in his likeness. So that's Genesis 1.26. So let's read that one and then I'll connect it to this one. I want to show you. That the devil will make you doubt who you are so that he can give you another identity. Because if you already know, it's like, you remember the devil tried that with Jesus. He said, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. So Jesus didn't think, ish, my being a son of God is at stake here now. I've got to change stones into bread. Because if I don't change stones into bread, I will no longer be the son of God. Did Jesus behave like that? He said, no, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. I remain the son of God even without listening to you, devil. Amen. So he says, Go, that Genesis 1, 26 to 28, New King James Version. 
Okay. According to our likeness. Uh -huh. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. Okay, go to verse 27. So God created man in his own image. Yeah. In the image of God, he created him. Hey. Male and female, he created them. So he created them in his image to be like him. So when the devil said, you will be like God... What was Eve supposed to say? Already I'm already like God, but get thee behind me, Satan. Amen. 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 Because some of the people will try you, they will, like you young people, young, young children, young ladies. You are told, if you love me before marriage, let's do this and this and this. Uh-uh, that's last. So if, if they want you to prove anything, tell them I've got nothing to prove. Amen. I know who I am. Amen. So he did not, they didn't have anything to prove. But now the devil says, you will be like God. So, and then she thought, sure, to be wise like God, to know good and evil. The Bible says, she started looking at that tree. That tree was always there all the time. But now because of entertaining the enemy, entertaining the devil, as she looks, she says, sure, this is a good tree to make one wise. Huh? And as they were debating, the devil was debating with her. Can you tell your neighbor, don't entertain the devil. <laughs> Amen. Because he will start like the angel of light. Okay? And slowly he will be dragging you into the pit. But what is surprising is that <laughs> Adam was also there. Just seated. The Bible doesn't say Adam was in Houting. I agree some of us when our parents were, were, were there, the, our fathers were, in, were migrant laborers. So they will be far away. If you read that portion of scripture in Genesis 3, it says after she ate, she took the fruit and gave to the husband who was with her. So when all these things were happening, somebody who has been told to guard and watch over the garden wasn't doing his job. Amen. But he says, so I want to give to look at this. Because when God created us, he created us to be like him, but he also gave us a mandate. He said, let them have dominion. Let them take charge. Tell your neighbor you've been created to have dominion. You have been created to take charge. Actually, I like it in the, in the message translation. Read in the message translation, Genesis 1, 26-28. It says, God spoke. Let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature. So that they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, and the cattle. And yes, the earth itself and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings. He created them God-like. Amen. Tell your neighbor I'm created to be like God. Amen. So it means I can take my pride in the Lord. I can boast in the Lord. He said he created them God-like, reflecting God's nature. It means wherever I am, I reflect the nature of God. 
Wherever I go, I am the salt of the earth. Wherever I go, I'm the light of the world. So it means when I go to a place, may people receive hope because of my presence there. Amen. Amen. That's why we said we are here at Easter River to bring the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this community will never be the same. Amen. Because we are going to brighten the corner where you are. Brighten the corner where you are. Amen. Amen. So it means if this is my corner, I'm going to brighten it. Wherever you go, brighten the corner where you are. Because it says, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. Verse 28. God blessed them. Now listen to the blessing. So he created us in his image. That's an identity. He gave us dominion. He gave us mandate. But when he gave us the mandate, he empowered us. That's the good thing. You remember even Jesus. Before he says to proclaim the gospel, to preach the gospel, to bind up the broken hearted, to heal the sick. He said the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Did you get that? In other words, for the mandate that I need to do, I need an impartation, the anointing from above. Amen. So that when I do this work, it's not done from flesh. It's like when I'm ministering to you now. I can't talk like a psychologist. I'm not one. Okay? I can't talk trying to maybe deal with your mind. What I'm saying should go deep in your heart. Where your spirit starts saying, yes, yes. Because you were created, your spirit senses if the word of God is coming. He says, this is something that aligns more. Uh, That is something that I've been hungry for. This guy has always been feeding me rice and pop and all that and all that. But I never got something so sweet. You see, your spirit doesn't feed on rice and all those things. It feeds on the word of God. So listen to this. When he empowered them, he said, prosper. Did God say they must prosper? So, when I'm prospering, don't blame me. Tell your neighbor, when I'm prospering, don't blame me. I have been empowered to prosper. That's the word to be blessed. The meaning of the word to be blessed means empowered to prosper. Just like the meaning of the word curse, what does it mean? Empowered to fail. Amen. When they say you are cursed, I know when we were growing up, especially with Africans, you know they can put things on you that wherever you go, you are cursed. They cast the spell on you and then even if you go far away, you are in Houteng, you are looking for a job, all the people get the job and when it was just your turn, gets, gets closed. Why? Because you are empowered to fail. You are cursed. But how many of you know that when the Lord has blessed me, no one can curse me? Amen. Amen. That's why I have this confidence to say, because I've got God's nature in me, it doesn't matter what the enemy thinks about me. Amen. I will succeed. I've been empowered to prosper. And he says, reproduce. Fill the earth. Take charge. I want that. I want to take charge. And if you do not allow the Lord Jesus into your life, you are going to always live as a victim. 
Instead of living like somebody who is a victor, who is victorious, who is taking charge. When you have God's mandate, you can take charge. And I want to tell you, the mandate that God has given, he did not only give it at that time with Adam and Eve, and that was it. He has given it to us as his people. Now, after the death of Jesus Christ, we also have a mandate. Actually, before Jesus left, he gave a mandate to his people. Go with me to the book of Luke chapter 19. Verse 11 to 13. I'll read in the King James Version. Because Jesus would speak in parables and then he would tell them some things. But I want the last words there in verse 13. It says, And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem. And they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He said, Therefore, a certain noble man went to a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds. And he said to them, What did he say to them? Occupy till I come. That's a military term. Amen. Take charge. Take some territories. Let's claim here's the river for Jesus. Can we all say here's the river for Jesus? Amen. When we are here to occupy, we are here to occupy. Amen. And we will brighten the corner. The presence of the Lord will be in this place. And this community will never be the same. Because the Lord Jesus is in this place. When we are here, the Lord is here. Amen. So he says, occupy till I come. Can we occupy? Amen. The problem with some of us is that we are busy with our own agendas, with our own mandates. And you are forgetting to occupy till he comes. Amen. Tell your neighbor, occupy till he comes. All the territories that the enemy stole, take them back. Even in your own families, you know, this is actually my territory. This is my home. Get out of here, devil, in the name of Jesus. That's my territory. That's my territory. That's my territory. That's my territory. You remember Joshua when he was getting old, the Bible says, God said to Joshua, Joshua, you are growing old. But there is still so much territories to take possession of. There is still so much land to possess. So I'm asking you, people of God, have you possessed every territory that God has bestowed for you here on the earth? Have you possessed the territory called prosperity? Have you possessed the territory called divine health? Have you possessed the territory called divine protection? Have you Anything, the peace of God, take them and occupy till he comes. When you occupy, you also defend that territory. Amen. 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 Because if you don't know who you are, people will confuse you and they will give you their mandates, even wrong friends. Some of you are hanging around with wrong crowds. And you think, sure, this guy is very wise, man. He's a really wise guy. Especially if he's a wise guy. <laughs> okay? Can I show you some of the wise guys? Go with me to the book of Second Samuel. Chapter 13. Those of you who are writing notes, you will write 13 to, uh, 3 to 16. But I'm just going to read 
from three and then I will stop somewhere in the middle. I want to show you these things of wise guys and crafty guys or cunning guys, clever people that you are hanging around with. If anybody claims to be clever and they do not know the word of God, they will mislead you. Take it from me. Amen? Because they do not know your mandate giver. So how will they give you the right mandate? Huh? They will give you their own mandates. They will give you what they think you should be, which you are not. So 2 Samuel chapter 13. This one is a tragic story. From verse 3. Some of it I will tell you because I always favor my congregants and that sometimes I read the Bible for them. When they are supposed to read. Because this thing here, you're supposed to read also yourself. But somewhere, I will tell you the story that happened after that because I love you. Okay? We can just only read together first few verses. Then I'll tell you the story. It says, it's the New King James Version. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother. Now, Jonadab was a crafty man. Where did you hear that word crafty? You heard it in Genesis. The serpent was more crafty. So it means even some crafty ones are still here. Tell your neighbor, even some crafty ones are still here. Tell them, be as wise as serpents but harmless as doves. So watch out for the crafty ones. Anybody who comes and tries to advise you, not giving you the advice from what God has said, they will mislead you. Because they will give you the wrong mandate. Okay? So it says, now listen to this. He was a crafty man. So can we use that today's language, he was a clever guy. Can we all say he was a clever guy? So listen to what clever guys do. And he said to him, why are you the king's son becoming thinner day after day? But you see, the devil is not cha- it doesn't change. You see, he starts by asking questions. <laughs> I mean, he never comes and says, you know, this is the problem, you must do this and this, this, because you will see it. So he asks you questions. And then, he rea- when he realizes you don't know, then you are a ready-made meal for him. That's why the Bible says, be diligent, watch out for the devil, your adversary is roaming around looking for somebody to devour. So now he says, why are you the king's son becoming thinner day after day? Will you not tell me? Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. So I'll tell you the story now because I love you. So when Jesus, he said, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister, then the wise guy said, it's simple. You really love her? Yes, I love her. And I think as friends probably they also use some words that I won't tell you now. What they were taking about that girl. <laughs> okay. And it's not in the Bible, but I think as friends, they probably, probably the Bible just gave us what is enough for us to go with. But I think they said more than what's there about that girl. And what he wanted to do with that girl. Then he said to him, okay, no, it's not an issue. You know, just pretend to be sick. Lay on your bed. and Pretend to be sick. And when your father David comes, say what's wrong with you. 
Tell him I'm so sick. But when I'm here, I want somebody who can make food for me. And that person must be my sister Tamar. You see the wise guy? Yeah. Then, indeed, he slept there pretending to be sick. Some of you fake to be sick so that you can get sick leave. It's not starting with you. It's not starting with you. Tell your neighbor, it's not starting with you. <laughs> you can't invent anything new, man. There were people who have already gone before. It's the same devil who had worked. So now you come with something and you think it's new. There is no new devil. <laughs> so he said, pretend to be sick. So if it was these days. <laughs> okay. And then the father thought, Cho, my son is really very sick. Hmm? And what should be done to him? I'm so sick. I don't think I can even come out of the bed. I think only my sister Tamar maybe should come and make me food. And then the father, the father's heart was broken. And he went and called for Tamar to come and serve the brother. Now she came, she prepared him a nice meal. She brought the meal. I don't want to eat here. Get, get everybody out of here. Then he went to, to his bedroom. My sister, bring it here. Then the lady was innocent. Amen. I think she's like some of us. I trust people too much. I'm probably like her. I mean, she's called to the bedroom with this man alone when he has chased everybody out. Guess what happened? You know what happened. Isn't it? He raped her. Because he asked her to sleep with him and she said, no, we can't do such a sin. Okay? He forced her and he raped her. Now, I want you to show you something that, when I'm saying the devil is not a new devil, I want to show you something. Didn't he say he loved her? Can you rape somebody whom you love? Do you think that was love or lust? That was lust. Now, I want to show you again. He said he loved her. Go to verse 15 with me. Okay, maybe let's read 14 and 15 so that you get the context. However, he would not take it to a voice and being stronger than he, she, he forced her and lay with her. So in today's terms, you would say he raped her. And what happened? Then Amnon hated her. So the hate which he had for her was greater than the love which he had for her. How many of you have heard people who said they love each other killing each other? Hmm? Somebody who once told you he loves you. The gender-based violence that we are hearing about. Is it not somebody who said they love you? I told you the devil is not new. Okay? Now he hated her with the, the hate which is so great, greater than the love that he loved her with. And Amnon said to her, Arise, be gone. So he said to him, No, indeed, this evil of sending me away is worse than the other that you did to me. But now he would not listen to her. Amen. So I'm saying to you, what we call wise guys, sometimes they will land you in trouble. Because they are not the right mandate givers. Our mandate, we should only receive it from the Lord Jesus Christ 
and let him give us the mandate. Okay? Now, if you do not know who you are, we're winding down now. I want to start winding down. So if we were in the plane, I would say we have begun our descent. Amen? Yeah, aeroplane must land, man. You can't just fly, 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 fly. I know it's still sweet, but we are not landing yet. We are just beginning our descent. Tell your neighbor, we are not landing yet, but we have begun our descent. <clears throat> so if your neighbor was sleeping a bit, tell them, wake up, buckle up. <laughs> we have begun our descent. Okay, now, if you do not know your identity, your God-given identity, you will settle for something that you shouldn't be settling for. And you think that's fine. How many of you know people who say, no, it's just my portion in this life. You see, some of us are not chosen. Some of us, we are born to suffer. You know the regret song, born to suffer. I mean, just to be born to suffer. Uh -huh. What a mandate. Born to suffer. Uh-uh, that can't be. So Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 7, NLT. Ecclesiastes 10 7 NLT says, okay, if you've got it, Mr. MJ, you can read it for us. Because I want to show you that if you do not know your identity, you're going to settle for something less than what you should be settling for. And you think it's fine. I have even seen seven riding horseback like this. Mm. Do you see the parado do you see do you see the paradox there? Eh? Yeah. Who are supposed to be riding on the horse? <laughs> yeah, and who are supposed to be walking? Yeah, but that verse says I have seen the servants riding horsebacks. Some of you you say you are children of God and because you want to settle for less, you say it's fine like this. Now the preacher will be surprised at you. The preacher was very observant. Solomon. He says, hey, I'm surprised. I have seen some servants riding on horsebacks like princes. And princes walking like servants. Ask your neighbor, who are you? Are you a servant or a prince? Amen. So, I'm not going to settle on being like a servant when I'm a prince. Amen. Amen. I don't want the preacher to be surprised at me. Because he was very observant. He says, I've seen this. Amen. Now, if you are a child of God and really you want to walk on your God-given right, you've got to live in obedience. Okay? Because you cannot claim the blessings of God when you are detached from him. Okay? So as we conclude, go to Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. And then we'll read the final scripture after that. Isaiah 1 18 to 20, New King James Version says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. So he is saying, it doesn't matter the condition you are in right now. That's not how I created you to be. Okay? He acknowledges that the devil might have confused you. 
and stole your identity. Okay? So it means if you are here and you say, Pastor, I really even hate myself. Don't worry. Okay? God knows that. God knows that you are at such a position that you are now. Whichever way that you've come to that place. Okay? It says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you now tell your neighbor that you is talking to you also. Especially if it's in your Bible. <laughs> because how, how thinkest thou that the you in thy Bible is my you? It's thine you. Okay? So when you are reading your Bible and the Bible says if you it's talking about you. Because some of you like shifting. If you are willing and obedient. So some people are willing but they are not obedient and they want to claim and they see it's not working. Because you have to be willing and obedient. You shall eat the good of the land. That's aligned to Genesis. Prosper. Amen. Yes. Eat the good of the land. Continue to walk in the fullness of what God has given you. Now, let's land with 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Okay? We always land because there's always time for more. Because we time ourselves. We know that some of your attention span is not more than an hour. So we, we don't detain you on the word more than an hour. We give you 45 minutes to an hour. Then you go when it's still sweet. So that you come back again for more. We've got so many Sundays. Huh? Tell your neighbor, we've got so many Sundays. Let's always leave room for more. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to 21, New King James Version. Mr. MJ, may you read for us. And I want you to pick at things here. Okay? It means, okay, let's take it. Therefore, Okay, so the word anyone, does it, it, it exclude someone? It includes everybody, including you. Tell your neighbor, including you. Okay, if anyone is in Christ, you know, I like this. I like to have a new identity and a new start. Mm. Because some of your identities were lost along the way, isn't it? Mm. Now, if you are in Christ, it means my identity can only be restored when I'm in Christ. So it doesn't matter. Some of you say, no, pastor, I just don't drink. I don't do this. I'm a good person. I just do this. Uh -uh. The issue here is not about what you do or what you don't do. It's where are you? Are you in Christ? So it says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. So it means, even those who say, hi, that one, you don't know him. You know what kind of a person? That one. It happened even with Saul. You remember after Saul, who later became Paul? After he was converted, how Ananias was afraid of him. Oh, Lord, I can't go. Hey, that man, what is he doing to the children of God? 
Hey, hey, hey. But if anyone is in Christ, it's a new creation. So it doesn't matter what you've done or who, who, who you became. When you come to Christ, your identity is restored. And all things pass away and all things become new. So if the Lord says all things have passed away, who are you to keep my record? Amen. So when somebody keeps on blaming you for what you did 10 years ago, before you knew the Lord Jesus, tell them, I'm a new creation now. Amen. I'm a new creation in Christ. And it says, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. I like this being reconciled. When we are reconciled, it means God is no longer at loggerheads with me. God is no longer angry with me. He says, that's fine, come back home. Because some of you, you've done things and you feel, I don't know how I can face God anymore. He gave me a chance and I messed it again. I just don't know what to do anymore. Uh -uh. He wants to give you another chance. As long as you are not dead, you still have a chance. Tell your neighbor, as long as you are not dead yet, you still have a chance. Amen. So he has given us he has reconciled us to himself through Christ. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So he reconciles me to him and say, go and get others who are not yet reconciled. Also help them to be reconciled to me. Amen. 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 So that's why we are here in Erste River. We have received the ministry of reconciliation. He reconciled us to himself and now we have a ministry. Tell your neighbor we are here on a mandate. We want to tell people about God's love. Amen. He says he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. God no longer counts your sins against you if now you are in Christ. He says that's it. It's washed by the blood of Jesus and it's all forgiven now and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation now then we are ambassadors for Christ I told you earlier about the political connection isn't it do you know that even when I don't have a political connection at least I'm an ambassador eh? can I see the hands of ambassadors here amen sure so many ambassadors but we don't have any political connection. But we are ambassadors for Christ. We represent the kingdom of God here on the earth. And where we go, it is Christ going there through us. And can I ask you, those of you who understand these issues of ambassadors and that, the ambassador is usually deployed to another country. Isn't it? Yeah. And when they are there, does their identity change to be like those of that country? Mm -mm. When you are an American ambassador in South Africa, you remain an American. Amen. Amen. So when I'm an ambassador for Christ here on earth, I don't become world. Amen. I know my identity. I retain my identity. So when I'm an ambassador for Christ, I remain with my identity. When the world says, no, no, Let's go out there and 
Whatever terminology that you guys use when you are deceiving each other. Wise guys. <laughs> okay. Tell them, an ambassador, I'm an ambassador, man. I don't do those things. Those things are for you guys who belong here. Eh? I've been deployed here. I'm an ambassador. And when I'm an ambassador, who takes care of me? Where I'm coming from. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You see, that's an ambassadorial statement. Amen. He doesn't supply my needs. That's why for me when they say, the rent is now this. The, the, the inflation is this. The this is this. I said, that's fine. My car will keep on riding. Some of you say, hey, now we'll park our cars. How are we? Petrol is going so high that we will never drive. High. Then you will you'll park your cars. That's fine. We'll keep on driving ours. Because our God supplies all our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So that's the advantage of being an ambassador. And that's not reserved for pastors only. Anybody who is in Christ you can enjoy the benefits of being an ambassador. And you can be taken care of by your country. It says, as though God were pleading through us, we employ you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be seen for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So when I'm saying I'm righteous or I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, I'm not claiming my own righteousness. Because some people will say, who do you think we are? You are. We are all human beings, man. We are all human beings. We do all these things. <laughs> Tell them, I'm an ambassador. I represent the Lord Jesus Christ. And I take my mandate from my kingdom. Amen. Because I'm here deployed. And then when he says he made him sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him, it was an exchange. If you read Isaiah, Isaiah understood this. Isaiah 53, we won't read it. It says, he was wounded for our transgression. So when he was on the cross, I was supposed to be the one who was on the cross. Okay? He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes... Amen. Amen. And actually when, actually when you start that Isaiah from the beginning there of 53, it says, a man acquainted with sorrows and griefs. He, surely he carried my pains. He carried my sorrows. So that's why when the devil makes me sick, I realize uh -uh, this is not right. He has carried my sin. He has carried my sickness. So for you who believe that the Lord Jesus has carried your sin, is the same cross where he carried your sickness. Amen. Amen. That's why for me, I won't settle for these things of, yeah, you know, we are just human beings. We can be sick and you can have chronic illness and this and this. I haven't seen such scriptures. So don't come and tell me your ideas. I don't want wise guys. Amen. I want people who come and tell me he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes with his stripes 
So you can't blame me for being healed. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, you can't blame me for being healed. You know that the devil sometimes he makes us to be shy to be healed. <laughs> you are well and then somebody, no, you know, we can all be sick. And he say, yeah, no, you know, it's true. You see, hey, this world, uh, we, we are just mortal beings, man. Hey, not this, this, this. But the moment you say, by the stripes of Jesus, by the way, that verse doesn't, doesn't change even when you are feeling sick. Tell your neighbor, that statement doesn't change even when you are feeling sick. Because God does not change. Amen. So it means it is my situation that should ultimately change and fit with what God has said. So because if God has said it, he has spoken it, he's got the final authority. And the word of God is final authority in my life. Amen. You can pack it there. Amen. Did you get your portion? Can you tell your neighbor, I'm stayed up. My spirit is bubbling for joy. Can you tell your neighbor, I've got a God-given identity. I have got a God-given mandate. Amen. Hmm. That's who we are. So now I can do some formalities before we, maybe let's, let's finish. Let's go to, we're going to give now. Okay? We are going to give. I said to you, when we are ambassadors, we are provided for by our country of origin. And the way God deals with us, he has put some systems in place that we've got to follow because that's our economic system. Okay? You know, even in this world, South Africa will have its own economy and its economic system. So you should follow the rules of that economy if you want to succeed in that economy. Okay? So can I show you some few things about God's economy? So that when you say I'm an ambassador, you must know your economic system. Okay? Second Corinthians chapter 9. I'll read in the Good News translation from verse 1. And this thing here, you will see it aligns very well with what I said here in the beginning. Even what the men of Macedonia said. What did the men of Macedonia say? Come over here and help us. This world needs help. They need the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now for us to do that, we need resources to reach out to this world. Okay? So he says, there is really no need for me to write to you about the help being sent to God's people in Judea. I know that you are willing to help. Okay? So there should be willingness in your heart to help. And I have boasted of you to the people in Macedonia. Oh. <laughs> These are the people that Paul was going to, isn't it? Now, he was, now they were part of the kingdom. So it's like now, we are telling you this, and when you also receive the ministry of reconciliation, you also become one of those that also go and preach. Now we are hearing about the people of Macedonia. These were the people who were going, 
the gospel went for them and helped them. So like we are coming here to Easter River with the gospel of Jesus. And now people of the, this community must be the ones who go out there and still spread the gospel. Amen. I'm just concerned that we filled the, the tent on, on one day. <laughs> but the Lord will see. So because then you need to go and tell others. Amen. Okay. The Lord will make a plan. We'll make a plan. Okay. So he says, I know that you are willing to help and I've boasted of you to the people in Macedonia, the believers in Achaia. And I said, have been ready to help since last year. Your eagerness has stirred up most of them. Now I'm sending these believers so that our boasting about you in this matter may not turn out to be empty words. But just as I said, you will be ready with your help. However, if the people from Macedonia should come with me and find out that you are not ready. How ashamed would we be not to speak of your shame for feeling so sure of you. So I thought it necessary to urge these believers to go to you ahead of me and get ready in advance the gift you promised to make. Okay? So you need to get ready with your gift. Then it will be ready when I arrive and I it will show that you give because you want to, not because you have to. Tell your neighbor, you give because you want to, not because you have to. And tell your neighbor, in this church, you will never be forced to give. So don't, don't, don't go and gossip about our pastor. Tell them. You know, there is this thing, hey, no, pastors are in it for money, man. They are in it for money. So if they are in it for money, why don't you also go and make money? <laughs> so he says here, give because you want to, not because you have to. Remember that the person who plants few seeds will have a small crop. The one who plants many seeds will have a large crop. It's obvious, isn't it? So some of you want to harvest where you did not sow. You can't be expecting a harvest when you did not sow. Simple thing. As long as the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest will always be there. Amen. Now he says, verse 7. You should each give then, as you have decided. Not with regret or out of a sense of duty. Other translation says, not sorrowfully. You know like sometimes when we say, it's time to give. The pastor was go coming on very well. Now, now is this giving business. You know what church is, eh? <laughs> then you have a problem. Because here he says, let each one of you give then as you've decided. Not with regret. Or out of a sense of duty. Because God loves the one who gives gladly. I, you know the part that we've inherited from God. It's this thing of wanting people to do things from their heart. man. You know when we were growing up, if your parents when they were sending you, always say, ah, oh, no, no, no. And you keep on grumbling and there were other children. What did they do? They no longer send you. And they say, I know this one is special. This one doesn't have to be sent. We send these others. Hey, and you feel it's very painful now. Because you are a child and they no longer send you. So if you behave in a certain way, you will be treated like those children. Okay? Because we tell you, let's do this together. Ah, no, no, you know. <laughs> you will be left behind. So I'm appealing all of us, let's jump in. Amen. 
It is for our advantage to do what God wants us to do. And verse 8, we conclude with. It says, God is able to give you more than you need. Why? Because I'm an ambassador. So that you will always have all you need for yourselves. And I want you to look at the end. Because some of you say, Lord, just give me enough just for me. How selfish art thou? That verse doesn't say, and God will give you just enough for you and your family. Mm-mm. All you need for yourselves and more than enough for every good cause. Amen. Amen. That's the gospel that we preach. Amen. Amen. And may the grace of God abound in your life. Amen. Amen. Amen.